the Koi Gig Pod. I wouldn't even look at them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even prepare mm. to play against them because you do know what you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> we could beat them six nil, or we could lose six nil. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on off the ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. So I think this promises to be a pretty interesting Champions League evening. Spurs, as uh, discussed there in the news round, 1-0 down to Milan there at home tonight. Uh, meanwhile, the glamour tie in Munich this evening, uh, top of Ligue 1 versus top of the Bundesliga. So since uh, Bayern were 1-0 winners in Paris, they uh, uh, are two wins from three. They lost to Mönchengladbach the weekend after beating PSG, but they've two wins since. As for uh, PSG, as is often the way, they are uh, dancing a merry dance in the uh, domestic league, scoring four, three and four goals, uh, respectively three wins for three. This should be a very interesting game for all a host of reasons. Happy to say Filippo Clare is with us. Good evening. Good evening to you. Might start with Kylian Mbappe. When don't I start with Kylian Mbappe? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He's often pretty We'll probably end with Kylian Mbappe yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Guilty, 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 guilty. So uh, invariably, as is the way with Kylian Mbappe, in the build-up uh, to this huge game, he was asked if an exit this evening could dictate your future and, and prompt your departure from PSG. And, uh, well, it's a hell of a response. He said... If I linked my future to the Champions League without wishing to show disrespect to the club, I would have left a long time ago. To which everyone at PSG said, thanks for nothing, Gillian. Thank you. <laughs> He's wonderful, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I, I can think of any player who knows how to play the media game better than he does. Uh, he gives absolutely nothing away. He's never, ever done that. And he plays everything so, so beautifully. Um, he's played Real Madrid and he's won. He's played PSG and he's won. He's played the French Federation and he's won. Um, I, I won't read anything into what Kylian says. Uh, sometimes I, you know, you just have to take it for what it is. It's, it's basically, if he said it, he means it. And I don't think you can see in that a um, like a call uh, or, or like a, a little wave he's doing to other clubs. Uh, well, you know what? I, I would like to win the Champions League, so maybe I could win it with you. I, I wouldn't see it like that. There is a, a certain facetiousness about him, mm. which is a very important element of his character and actually one of the most engaging elements of his character. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, did the rounds on, on some Twitter accounts after the game against Marseille. There's one, and it's, you know, you're talking about one of the... Uh, the games which means the most in French football, where, honestly, uh, the tackles are hard and so forth. And he, he was shown playing tricks and doing jokes with Marseille players and really taking the mickey out of them. Mm. Uh, but in such a way that even they didn't know how to react. It's just fun. Mm. And I think that's the way you should... I mean, he meant exactly what he said, but we shouldn't treat anything more than what he actually said on the night. Yeah. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. It, there's another Mbappe quote which will lead us into the wider PSG chat ahead of the game this evening. And he said this a couple of weeks ago after the 1 mm-hmm. 0 defeat to Bayern in Paris. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about coming. the return leg. I'm sure you can. <laughs> and he said, uh, in effect, he said, our players will have to be in good health for the return leg. Everyone needs to eat and sleep well. At which point. <laughs> 
everybody thought the same thing, that he's talking yeah. about Neymar. And uh, subsequent yep. to that, Mbappe has said it wasn't a dig at Neymar. In the situation, a dig is the last thing we need. It was a piece of advice for everyone. Now, when everybody, when everybody assumes it's Neymar, I'm inclined to think he meant it towards Neymar. What's, what was your read on uh, all our players need to eat and sleep well? Oh, uh, Neymar. I immediately thought of Neymar and Paul for another simple reason is that there were reports in the French media at the time uh, that Neymar was getting in trouble with his neighbours in his uh, quite um, well-to-do um, suburb of Paris called Bougival, which is really, really nice, actually. And uh, because the neighbours were constantly complaining about the noise at his house and there were parties <laughs> to, uh, you know, two, three in the morning. And of course, every time they kept calling the police and the police would come and say, well, you know, could you be a bit quieter? And, and of course, as the mayor of Bougival said, you know, we can give him as many 150 euros fines uh, as we want. It's not going to make any difference, is it? He's got to do something about it. So the fact that that Kylian Mbappe said what he said immediately after these reports appeared in the French media makes me think that on this occasion, perhaps, um, what he said afterwards was to be taken with a pinch of salt. Maybe he was thinking of everybody, but he was certainly including Neymar in, in this. And, and you know, we're, we're laughing about it, uh, even though Neymar's situation is nothing to, to be laughed about as far as the player is concerned, because you've read reports, he's now out for the season. He's just had surgery uh, in Doha, actually, of all places, uh, to try and fix that uh, worrisome ankle that has been a problem for him for, for quite a long time now. And he's going to miss obviously the game against Bayern is going to miss every single other game of PSG season uh, which in some ways I'm sure we're going to come to that might not be as bad news as people might have thought you know yeah uh, he does uh, to stall on his ankle for a moment he's always reminded me of touch of Jack Wilshire it's that late 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 chop yeah. away and ankle often prone yeah and the thing is I think if you talk to um sports doctors, specialists, they will tell you that the ankle is the most delicate and fragile part of the body of a footballer. You know, a knee, actually, it's sometimes easier to come back from a cruciate ligament or a median ligament injury in the knee uh, than it is from those primes at the ankles because they're recurrent, which is what happened to Jack Wilshire. Every time you thought, oh, he's back, you know, he's back and his ankle has healed, well, no, three, four weeks later, there would be another problem. And, and we know what the result has been. He's had nothing like the career he should have, done, have had. And in the case of Neymar, though certainly Neymar has won big things and, you know, has become a superstar and so forth. And, you know, the question will remain, what if he'd actually been fit more often uh, than has been the case? And what if this ankle hadn't been bothering him, uh, certainly for the last few years? And, um, well, the answer, you know, we'll never know because... To be honest, the, the recuperation for this type of um, injuries also depends. You know, the lifestyle does play a, a big part in that. Uh, Neymar, and, um, Neymar pre-World mm. Cup, Philippe was having certainly on paper. I can't claim to watch him week in week out in French football. Yeah, but on paper, he was, superb. he was really having a good season. He had scored 18 goals, so that was he was on course for a, 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 a career best at PSG. Yeah. Uh, to what extent did the World Cup happen? Did he have that sliding doors moment against Croatia where he went from delivering after uh, so many disappointments to it being, um, you know, the rug pulled from under him? Uh, to what degree did he arrive back into PSG and say, well, to hell with all this, let's party and drown my sorrows? Yes, and well, I'm, I'm not sure that was 
necessarily the way he reacted, but I would agree with you that um, it had a greater impact. The World Cup had a greater impact on him than it had almost on any other player I can think of. And I would say that it actually transferred to PSG as a whole because obviously Kylian Mbappe as well, there was an impact, a psychological impact. And of course, you know, you find yourself, imagine that, you know, you've got the world champion, Leo Messi, who is there. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, who's been mocked and ridiculed in ridiculous fashion by Amy Martinez and so forth, but, you know, who lost that that final. And then you've got Neymar, one who completely missed out on this World Cup, not for the first time. So you can imagine the tensions are going to be quite, are going to be there. And, and which explains for me completely, and completely normally, on top of the physical exertions, obviously, it explains why PSG went through a very, very difficult phase. And why suddenly the Neymar we had seen at the beginning of the season, you're quite right, he played some of his very, very best football during that period. He had one of those windows, which he's had actually more regularly than people think, because it's very easy to dismiss Neymar saying, oh, he's a party animal. He never delivers. He's a kind of Ronaldinho Mark II when he was at PSG. And it was that. Sometimes he switches it on. It's wonderful. Most of the time he says he switched off. That's not true. There were many moments in previous years where Neymar was actually the best thing about PSG. There were many moments where you thought that he's one of the few who seemed to care. But in this um, this season, the World Cup, there's, as you say, the Neymar before the World Cup, the Neymar after the World Cup, and then obviously the injuries. Um, so yeah, he's not he's not quite the same player. And will he ever be the, the same player again? We don't know. You know, he's not getting any younger. Generally speaking, and I know we're on the outside, but generally speaking, what's the understanding of the relationship between Mbappe and Neymar? Um, in fairness, uh, I don't think it's as bad as people think it has been. Because of the personality of the players involved, I don't think that either of them is the kind of you know Machiavellian, manipulatory um, character uh, or people who built in anger and people who build frustration and and jealousy. I don't think that's the case. So it's very volatile. It has been very volatile, especially since Leo Messi has arrived. Um, but I would I would I would say that in general their relationship has been pretty good, mm. pretty good. Which is strange because you could say it's a, it's a weird triangle. It's like Messi and Neymar were very close when they were at Barcelona. And Messi and Mbappe, obviously, when you see them playing together at the moment, it's just you know wonderful to see. I mean, there's an understanding there. And uh, Mbappe and Neymar, when the two together, I don't think there's much of a problem. But when you put the three, there's something weird which happens, which seems to, uh, it's a kind of point, is, um, it's almost as if the, the fuses blow up in, in this particular electrical circuit. You know, as long as they were due, I mean, three is a crowd, basically. Mm. And, uh, but... As far as their relationship is concerned, and for what we can say, because we can only, you know, rely on what we see in the media, what we read in their body language, what we sometimes hear from people who are close to their entourage. But you never know how much of that is actually um, close to the truth. I, I don't think the problem is as serious as, as has been made. Uh, there have been frictions. Uh, there have been moments when things haven't been right between them. Uh, but by and large, the relationship is not as as bad as the relationship I can think between, in, in other teams, you know, like think about the relationship between the players at Bayern when it was FC Hollywood. We're nowhere near that. Okay. Nowhere near that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for people who didn't see the first leg in Paris, 
Uh, Mbappe came off the bench uh, as he recovered from injury and electrified uh, what was a very flat PSG performance. I mean, there were times, Philippe, where PSG were a parody of themselves when it comes to the the imbalance in that squad. Yeah. And um, the thing is that the imbalance is going to be less of a problem now. Mm. Because, and we saw it against uh, Marseille, for example, in what was a big game was a really big game. And um, suddenly we see when they play with only two players up front, and what players, you know. And you realize that there's actually a much uh, more balanced midfield where people are covering for each other, where you can have Vitinha and Verratti, two super players. And you've got Hakimi and Nuno Mendes, and, you know, as as wingbacks, it's beautiful. And you've got Sergio Ramos, who... To be honest, he, I mean, he amazes me. I think he amazes everybody because he's playing absolutely at the top. He's at the top of his game at the moment. Marquinhos, who is also a very good player. They've lost Kim Pembe on the injury, but some people, I would say, would think it's a kind of a blessing in disguise without, you know, casting any aspersions on Kim Pembe's character or talent. But they look better without him. And they have looked better and more balanced. The imbalance was there, was always a problem. This is the thing. There, there are moments they're totally irresistible. They, they're able of, to put together moves, which I don't think, I mean, I can't think of any other teams which can do that because of the speed at which this happens. Because of precisely because of Mbappe, uh, because of the imagination and still the incredible acceleration Messi has got over a few yards yeah. and the vision of Verratti. And also, the, I mean, Vitinha, I keep coming back to him, is, is actually a very important player. Now they've got, now that Neymar is out, Christophe Galtier has been able to go back to what was his original formation at, at the beginning of the season, and, which was terrific, which is a, a 3-4-3. Now, obviously, one of the three has gone, so it's more of a 3-5-2. So the, the midfield is, more, is better balanced. Uh, it's not quite as porous as has been the case before. Because if you think about the games against Bayern, but at times you were thinking, it's just like knife through butter. It's so easy. And they always, they always, has, always will have these periods of, um, we say flottement in French, where, you know, when they're not quite too sure of themselves. And then they will have also these moments of incredible energy and imagination. And with the team as it is now, they will have just as much imagination, but they will have more balance and more solidity, which is why... And and I don't think that's um, really going to fans say that that saying the game is still almost a fifty fifty against Bayern. They're totally capable of doing something there. So, I mean, the problem with PSG is is very identifiable. Uh, would the Parisian media, would the PSG fans, be almost openly saying, "Well, losing one of the three, and it's Neymar in this instance, is a blessing in disguise. We're a better team with just two of them." Is that is that like the, the talk at large, or are they just so in love yeah. with the idea of the three? No, okay. No, no, no. I think it's, this has changed. At the beginning, yes, it was. Uh, it was a bit like somebody buying, you know, a, a, a wrapper with pictures of great players, and suddenly having the three he, <laughs> they'd always yeah. wanted together. And this has changed, and um, um, the and the idea is very much that of the three, the one who is the most dispensable is is Neymar, which is a bit unfair considering his contribution to the club over the past few years. But given that Messi is playing at a very high level again, and obviously Kylian Mbappe is PSG, he's the, the PSG project is a Mbappe project. I mean, I would say the PSG project is that how can we keep him? 
<laughs> in Paris for as long as we possibly can. And um, so, yes, there, I think the PSG fans have gone past that. The media as well, sometimes to excess, which is why, you know, I think we shouldn't be too hard on Neymar. We shouldn't exaggerate either. Realize that the problem, the fact that the problem is there is an imbalance is not due just to him. The problem that there is an imbalance is due to the fact of the three. Yeah. And, you know, does, does Kylian Mbappe track back? Well, not really. Uh, does Lionel Messi track back? Well, not really. So you're basically playing 8 v 11 when you're out of possession, which is a bit of a problem. Yeah. And, and I presume, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the question, I presume Christophe Galtier is under severe pressure from the hierarchy to play all three, regardless of what his footballing instincts might tell him. Well, yes. Um, yes, there, there is that. Uh, and in a way, the problem has been taken out of, of his own hands, So, which for which he's relieved. I mean, the fact that he said himself yesterday in his press conference, when he was asked about Neymar and his absence, he actually said himself, the team is better balanced without him. I mean, that's quite extraordinary. <laughs> okay, he did. You know, he yeah. said it in the verbatim. Yeah. And then he, he corrected himself immediately by saying, but we don't score as many goals when he's around. Um, but knowing where Christophe Galtier comes from, the kind of manager that he is, when you look at what he's done at Nice, at Lille, at Saint-Étienne, he's not a gung-ho manager. He's a very good, uh, he's a very good leader of, of men, so to speak. Uh, he's very smart. Uh, he knows how to organize a defense and midfield and so forth. He's very methodical. Um, he's got charisma as well. Um, but he's not the kind of, you know, like a Deserbi or a Zeman uh, or, or, or a Bielsa who would be uh, happy to, to throw everything and go, go for it. Even though I'm not sure Bielsa would have liked Neymar um, in his team. I don't think he would have appreciated his defensive contributions. But Galtier is very much, is, it can look a bit dull, you know, dour, I mean, from the outside. And, uh, and the pressure was on him. And in a way, like the pressure has been on every single one, every single um, uh, uh, PSG manager before him. Because don't forget, it's not just like uh, you have Mbappe, uh, Messi and, uh, and Neymar, but you, you also had, uh, for example, uh, Angel Di Maria who was at, at times the best PSG player and his place in the team was never quite assured because there had to be placed uh, a slot reserved for the, the superstars, which he's not, even though he was sometimes the best player in the team. Mm. And in a way now, Galtier is in a situation where he's not placed in front of that problem of that dilemma. So I think it must be a relief for him. Yes. And I was, I was reading before talking to you, I was reading you know, the French press from the day and everybody says, and it's quite extraordinary, he said, that's the best news in PSG season. Incredible, isn't wow. it? You're talking about a player who costs 222 million here. Who, who has been, by the way, your best or second best player for a number of seasons now. Mm. Still, that's what you say. I have visions of Galtier uh, to start next season uh, asking his sports science department to manufacture hamstring injuries for uh, various players. <laughs> Oh, dear, dear, dear. Just a, a, a big picture question. This is a very intriguing Champions League situation. In the main, 
most people are, are, are have a leaning towards Man City as favourites, followed by Bayern. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is great respect for Napoli, Real Madrid or Real Madrid. And then I suppose there's there's the rest in whatever particular order you want to put them into. Um, you would have saw Bayern beat PSG in, in the first leg and, and have a sense of them generally. Uh, who do you see as favourites for the Champions League this year and why? Wow. Um, um, if I'm if I'm listening purely to my head, I would say I would say Manchester City for obvious reasons. They've got the deepest squad. Um, they have genuine will to. Well, everybody wants to win the Champions League, but in their case, it's. I think you can put up a notch. Um, you know, ramp the amp to to eleven. In their case, uh, they seem the better equipped, um, the best equipped actually. Though you will say that their previous record. And, you know, goes against them. Bayern, I'm not entirely convinced, I have to say. There are moments where I find them absolutely magnificent. Others when I'm a little bit surprised by how open they can be. Um, I don't think there are... I mean, the situation, by the way, in, in the in Bundesliga shows that they are certainly not um, singing and dancing their way to another title. You yeah. know, Borussia Dortmund, same number of points, a number of teams just behind them. Um, and when it comes to the others... Uh, my goodness, it's very hard to tell. Real Madrid is Real Madrid. Yes, okay, fine, I'll accept that. But there are some dark horses, and uh, I have to say, what happened last night uh, has made me think again about that because I I still don't know what to think of this Chelsea team in Europe, and they've they've got us used to having poor seasons domestically and getting it together in Europe. They've done that a number of times, mm. where they were also really struggling in the league. And what they started to show last night was actually quite impressive was against it, a very, a very good, very good performance. It was an excellent performance with uh, excellent individual performances, but also real shape, you know, uh, to that team. Uh, some big contributions from big players who perhaps had not been at the right level for a while. Um, yeah, signs basically that things are starting to to get together. Because to be honest, they, I don't think they've been as bad as people have said. I think they've just been unlucky, or they've been. Uh, they've been lacking cutting edge and the rest of it. The other team which really impressed me, but that's almost in aesthetic terms, I thought Benfica were just at times just sublime against okay and not the best of opponents. But I just marvel at the way that this club is capable of reinventing itself every single season, losing, you know, big, big, big players Mm -hmm. and finding more. And yesterday they were just magnificent. And so don't discard them at all. So I, I do think it's, it's actually rather open. There is, it's not one of those seasons where you think there are three or four teams which look to be really on top of everything else. I don't think so. Each, each of them has shown uh, signs of weakness. It is not the Real Madrid team is capable at times of being really impressive, but also at other times looks pretty flat and, and fragile. Manchester City... Um, has conceded a lot of goals in this this season, far more than usual, um, and you could carry on like that. And so, to answer your question, which I could have done with a single word, do you have a favourite? The answer is no. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> Philippe, we're on radio. Why say one word when you can say far more? I mean, that's how we do things. That's correct. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Cheers, Philippe Claire, uh, with us looking ahead to tonight's game, in particular in Munich, where Bayern are one 0 up on PSG without Neymar, as we've been discussing. Football on Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. You can catch the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports.
Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.